0: Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, Keith. Hey, Ron. Ken, glad to have you with us. It is a beautiful day. It's a great day. Jesus Christ made this day, and he is reigning over heaven and earth right now. And he is blessing you beyond anything you could imagine or want. Well, maybe not beyond what you want at times, but Are you aware of just how many blessings the Lord Jesus has given you in the last week, for example? And Jesus is reigning over heaven and earth. The world is not spinning out of control. Our governments are not uh, autonomously doing whatsoever they please. No, the kings are in the Lord's hands. So rejoice, be glad, celebrate. Have another sip of coffee. It's a good day. So, we're going to see more of this as we continue our study of this letter to the Hebrews. And I want to remind you again of the contrast. This, this letter is written to Jews who've come to faith in Christ, they are members of the new covenant, they believe in the death and resurrection, they understand the true forgiveness. That is theirs in Jesus. Now, let me just pause right there. Have you sinned? Maybe once? (laughs) Maybe twice? (laughs) I asked our uh, home fellowship on Sunday, if we were to take the time to go through every individual in that room, go through his or her sins, like all of them that you could think of. How long would that take, do you suppose? Do you think we'd be done even now? (laughs) There's a lot of sin in that room. Jesus came to pay the price for all of it. Everyone who's put their faith in him. That means you, my friend, if you are trusting in Christ, not in your church tradition, not in something you did, but you're trusting in the work of Christ, Your sins are forgiven. How can this not be a good day? If your sins are forgiven. Well, that's what Jesus came to do. That's the new covenant. It's what it's all about. And the writer here is comparing the old covenant and the new covenant. And he says they're not worthy to be compared. So here's how he described the mountain that the Jews came to to receive the old covenant. He says, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched. So he's talking to Christians and he's comparing it. This is the mountain that the Jews came to, the Israelites. They came to something that could be touched, right? It was a, it was a literal physical mountain, Mount Sinai, and a blazing fire. Remember, the, the mountain was on fire and darkness. So the mountain was on fire, but then there was thick cloud that covered the sun, which is a, an eerie setting. And gloom. Do you use the word gloom very often? Maybe when it's a cloudy day, and you feel kind of down and maybe you had big plans and now those plans are are ruined because of the clouds. It's gloom. There's a there's a heavy sense of, of disappointment, maybe even despair in that word. Whirlwind, right? Think of a tornado hurricane on the on the mountains. This is how the Israelites received the law, the blast of a trumpet, this blaring sound that was just overwhelming. The sound of words, which sound was that such that those who heard begged no further word be spoken to them. They, The words from the Lord were harsh. Don't even come near the mountain. Don't touch it or you are to be killed. Moses said about it, I am full of fear and trembling. That is not the mountain we've come to. But you've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. This is the new covenant mountain that we've come to. So we've been working our way through these phrases. Mount Zion. Mount Zion. The city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, myriads of angels. So just think about that. All through Isaiah, through the Psalms, Zion, the the mountain of God. That's what we've come to. Notice the present tense. You have come. Actually, it's perfect tense. Something that started in the past and continues to the present. You have come to this mountain. Not you will go someday. You have come to it. You have come to the city of the living God. If you are a Christian, you have come. You are members of, citizens of. You are dwelling in the city of the God who lives. You've come to Jerusalem. But it's the heavenly Jerusalem. The fulfillment toward which the earthly Jerusalem was pointing. You've come to myriads of angels. We talked about that yesterday. What does that mean? I don't know what the full significance of it is. But angels are mighty warriors. They're the host of heaven, of whom Jesus is the commander-in-chief. And they are servants. They are ministers of those who are inheriting salvation. The writer of Hebrews said that earlier about angels. That's us. You and I are heirs of salvation. Well, the, the host of heaven. Heaven. Are surrounding us, and then we looked at this yesterday. The General Assembly of the Church of the Firstborns. If you were with us yesterday, you know that firstborn there is plural, who are enrolled in heaven. All right. So I want to. I want to spend a little more time on this phrase. This word, General Assembly, and I realize I, I, in all of my uh, getting into the Greek, the detail, I, I sort of made a mess out of this. Um, but hope, hopefully you were able to get enough yesterday. <laughs> that didn't confuse you too much. This general assembly, the panegyric, is the Greek word. It only occurs um, one other time, I think, in the in the scripture. We're gonna look at it. But it's a it's a public assembly. It's a festal or joyful gathering. So. I read a big portion of Isaiah to you a few lessons ago to see the backdrop to all of this. And I want to go back and pick up in Isaiah 66 because it's in the background of what Paul, uh, Paul, whoever wrote Hebrews, it might be Paul, was getting at. So let me read it and then see if some of these things jump out to you. Okay. So uh, Isaiah 66 thus says the Lord. Let, let, me, let me set the scene for you. I know. I, let me set the scene for you. Throughout Hebrew, throughout Isaiah, God is speaking to a generation of Israelites who have committed all kind of sin, rebellion against God, idolatry, and he is warning them of judgment. He is going to destroy the city of Jerusalem. He's going to destroy the temple and he is going to punish with severe punishment the Israelites who have not been faithful to the covenant. But then there's a remnant. There's a a group within Israel who love God, who, who strive to please God, and they are going to be saved, spared God's wrath. And throughout all of this, there there are constant uh, visions of something that's coming in the future. So I'm going to read some of the prophecy here. The writer of Hebrews gives us fulfillment. And let me just uh, give away the story here. The church, those who are members of the new covenant, We are the fulfillment of these future promises given to ancient Israel. All right, so with that as a backdrop, let's listen. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. How big is God? What throne does he sit on? It's what we would call uh, the sky, space where the planets are. That's heaven. That's where he sits. <laughs> How big is God if he can sit on the universe? And the earth is his footstool. Right, He rocks back, puts his feet on something. What's that something he puts his feet on? The earth, this massive planet. He's a big God. Well, if he's that big, he says, where then is a house you could build for me? This temple? This temple in Jerusalem? Is that really going to be my my house? I don't think so. <laughs> Where is a place that I may rest? It's not on earth. For my hand made all these things. I don't need them, I don't need a place to sit and rest. I made it all. Thus all these things came to being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look. To him who is humble and contrite of spirit. Do you hear echoes of the Beatitudes there? You should. And who trembles at my word. God says, I will look to the one who takes me at face value. When I say obey me, they obey me. When I say I will punish evil, I will punish evil. When when I say come to me, and I will bless you and grant you a reward, that's the person I'm going to look to. Humility, a, a contrite spirit, fearing, what we should be fearing when God says it. That's who he's looking to. Again, put yourself in the position of that first century congregation to whom the writer of Hebrews is writing. They are tempted to walk away from the new covenant to go back to the old covenant. That's a violation of God's word. They should tremble at the thought of what would happen if they walk away from Jesus. Okay. He who kills an ox is like one who slays a man. Uh, you, you treat man and ox the same way. He who sacrifices a lamb is like one who breaks a dog's neck. He offers a grain offering is like the one who offers swine's blood. Remember, uh, pork, uh, pigs were unclean. He who burns incense is like one who blesses an idol. So they're, they're going through all the religious motions that God established, but they are heathen at heart, so to speak. They have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abominations. To... Offer swine's blood, for instance, was an abomination to the Lord. And yet these Jewish people, they delighted in those things. God says, so I will choose their judgments and will bring on them what they dread. Because I called, but no one answered. I spoke, they did not listen. They did evil in my sight and chose that in which I did not delight. And because they did this, God says, I'm going to bring judgment. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. Your brothers who hate you, who exclude you for my name's sake, have said, let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy, but they will be put to shame. Again, do you see what this would mean for the first century Jews who became Christians? Your brothers, your fellow Jews, they hate you. They are casting you out. They're persecuting you because you are serving The Lord Jesus. We now know what this is all pointing toward. They will be put to shame. They will get theirs, God says. A voice of uproar from the city, a voice from the temple. The voice of the Lord is rendering recompense to his enemies. Before she travailed, before she brought forth, before her pain came, she gave birth to a boy. Who has heard of such things? Who has seen such things? Can a land be born in one day? Can a nation be brought forth all at once? As soon as Zion travailed, she also brought forth her son. So there is hope there. Zion is going to have offspring, not wicked offspring, but righteous offspring, but it's going to take time. Shall I bring to the point of birth and not give delivery says the Lord, or shall I who gives delivery shut the womb says your God. Now we talked about this a few days ago, so I'm not going to belabor it, but starting on this point forward is where I want to focus. Be joyful with Jerusalem and rejoice for her all you who love her. Can you can you guess what word in the Greek translation of the Old Testament this word rejoice is? It's panegyric. Panegyrus. It's that joyful, festal gathering that the writer of Hebrews says we are. It's this word right here, the general assembly, and some of the translations get it right and say festal assembly, except they attach it to angels. No, it should be to the church. The festal assembly, the joyful gathering, the public joyful gathering of the church. That's the same word that he uses here for Jerusalem. And here in Hebrews, you have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. You see, he's, he's, God is foretelling, he's, he's previewing the church. Be joyful with Jerusalem and rejoice in this in this festal public gathering for her, all you who love her. Be exceedingly glad with her, all you who mourn over her. So in the original setting, those who understood that God was going to destroy the city of Jerusalem They would mourn. God says, but rejoice. Because there's coming a day when I will make a new heavens, new earth, new Jerusalem, where they will seek me and find me and experience all my blessing. Rejoice! Well. I I've got to at least stop and ask the question. Do you see the point? We who are this public festival assembly, the new Jerusalem, we have to be joyful people. Do the people who know you see in you a gladness that is befitting someone who has come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God? Someone who knows the forgiveness of their sin because of the death of Jesus Christ? When you gather with other believers, is it a joyful festival time? This is one of the reasons I love gathering in our home instead of in a building where it's almost this solemn... You hear traditional churches talk about the church gathering being a solemn assembly. You You are in the presence of God. No! You're not any more in the presence of God in that building than you than, than I am right now in this room and you are where you are. The gathering of the church is not to be a solemn assembly. That was the old covenant. And you see what's happened in our traditional models, especially the high liturgy churches. We've taken the concepts of the old covenant and brought them forward into the, the gathered church. That is not what the church is to be. We're to feast. This is why the early church, Acts 2, 42 to 47, when the early church gathered, they gathered for the apostles' teaching and for prayer and for fellowship, which is not sitting and listening to some guy talk for 45 minutes, and for the breaking of bread. They ate meals together. They were a people, not a meeting or a meeting place. Rejoice with her, be glad. That you may nurse and be satisfied with her comforting breast. Who's her? It's Jerusalem. This Jerusalem that's coming is going to nourish and comfort you like a mother nourishes and comforts her child on her breast. That you may suck and be delighted with her bountiful bosom. It's going to be a prosperous, your needs are going to be met in this new Jerusalem. That's us now in the church. At least it's supposed to be. For thus says the Lord, behold, I extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the nations, not nation, nations like an overflowing stream. Do you hear him reverting back to what we see in Isaiah 2? The nations will stream to Mount Zion and you will be nursed and you will be carried on the hip and fondled on the knees. This new Jerusalem will care for you like a mother caring for a child, as one whom his mother comforts. (laughs) So I will comfort you, and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. Then you will see this, and your heart will be glad, and your bones will flourish like the new grass, and the hand of the Lord will be known to his servants, but he will be indignant toward his enemies." Don't walk away from the new covenant for anything. Even when you're under persecution, the Lord will be indignant with anyone who persecutes his new Jerusalem. That's us. For behold, the Lord will come in fire in his chariots like the whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For the Lord will execute judgment by fire. You remember how this section in Hebrews 12 we're looking at ends our God is a consuming fire so there's comfort and encouragement all the way through here and also he's going to get to a warning if you walk away from Mount Zion from the heavenly Jerusalem the city of the living God and this joyful assembly then you'll become his enemy and the only expectation is a consuming fire. Don't do that. So back to Hebrews. This is what we've come to, this joyful festal public gathering, the assembly, the church. That's the word ecclesia or ecclesia in the uh, in the Greek. And it the, the heart of it, the 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 root is kaleo, which means to call or to summons, and then the prefix means out of. If you're a part of the church, you've been called out of into something. We've been called out of the world into this new Jerusalem. That's the church. Called out ones. It's not a building. It's not a meeting. You can't go to church. It's not something you do on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We are the church we've been called out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his his glorious son. That's us. The ecclesia the called out ones, the the assembling of these uh of the new Jerusalem who are enrolled in heaven. This word enrolled means to to register. If you are uh if you decide to take a class at New Covenant School of Theology, which I highly recommend, we don't have any classes until the uh, August, we're going to do the, uh, the letter to the Romans in August. To, to be part of that, you will register, you will sign up. And then your name gets put on the list of people who are given access to the class. We believers, we Christians, we who have come to Mount Zion, we are enrolled. Our name is written down in heaven. Who belongs in this assembly? Where is our membership? It's in heaven. But it's not all future. We are now in the New Jerusalem. Our names are written down in heaven. Our names are enrolled in heaven. But we're part of it now. We have come to Mount Zion. So rejoice, people. Rejoice. And don't give it up for anything. All right, let me uh, see a couple of comments here. Like, Lon said a few things I skipped over. Uh, the discussion reminds me of the conversation Jesus had with the Samaritan woman about where to worship Jesus said, the hour is coming and now is. Exactly. That's what he came to do is to fulfill all of this. And remember how, how uh, uh, yeah, you went on and you get some of it here. Uh, the heavenly worship of Hebrews looks like worshiping the fathers. Exactly. So think about that conversation. The woman says to Jesus, Well, our folks say we're to worship in this mountain and you Jews say to worship in that mountain. And Jesus says, it's not about the mountain unless you're talking about Mount Zion. We're not going to worship here or there as though it's restricted to a time and place. Worship in the new covenant. Now that Jesus has come is our whole life. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. We worship all day, every day. The church gathers... Regularly to celebrate, to rejoice, to learn from him, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Lon asks, is this different from the book of life? I don't think so. I mean, obviously, here in this context, it doesn't actually call the book of life, but it sure sounds like the same thing to me. So I would, I would say, no, it's not different. It's the same thing. Oh, friends, ah, we have to be a joyful people. The world is full of dour, depressed, discouraged people, and too many Christians are that way. Rejoice! You have come to Mount Zion, city of living God, the holy Jerusalem, heavenly Jerusalem, rather myriads of angels and the festival festival assembly of the church of the firstborns in heaven enrolled in heaven so today wherever you are as you encounter people may they see the joy of the lord in you and when you gather with christians the next time you do so see if you can lead that gathering to be a gathering of joy and celebration if you're a church leader I think it's incumbent upon you to lead people to rejoice. All right, got to run. Have a great day. Rejoice and be glad. And we will see you tomorrow, Lord willing. Take care.